Welcome to Teaching La Vida Loca, a podcast for world language teachers seeking inspiration, unapologetic authenticity, and guidance in centering joy and facilitating language acquisition for the people who matter most, our students. I'm your host, Annabelle, most people call me La Maestra Loca, and I'm an educator just like you, and inspiring teachers is what I do. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Teaching La Vida Loca. I'm recording this in a hotel room in Dallas. I just did a wonderful workshop yesterday for educators in the Dallas area and some people traveled pretty far to drive to be there and I was so grateful. We talked a lot about building a culture of risk-taking in your classroom and it inspired me to record this for you today. This will be the first episode in a three-part series on how to build a culture of risk-taking in your classroom and I hope that you love it. I'm really excited to bring it to you. I think that the number one thing that I do to start building that culture of risk-taking where students feel empowered and inspired to start using the target language in my classroom. Obviously, I teach Spanish, so it would be the first thing that I do to encourage them to use more Spanish is to praise them like a crazy person. Obviously, la maestra loca, right? But praise them like crazy when I start hearing them speak. Um... Because I just want to encourage more of that, right? And I think first and foremost, it's really important to acknowledge and recognize that it is so messy when kids start to speak their second language or their third language. It's a hot mess. My son, Memphis, is a total mess with his language. Half the time, he doesn't say I. He says my, my love it, my want to eat, my want to snack, please. I know that he's not going to continue saying my when he's in kindergarten. So wasting my time trying to correct him is, you know, futile. But it is so messy and it's wonderful and beautiful. And it's the same thing in my Spanish class. When my novices start to speak, it's messy and full of errors, but it is glorious and it's a beautiful thing to witness because they're feeling so motivated and inspired to do so. So the second I start to hear students output or speak any Spanish, I go crazy. I award the class tons of class points. I'll link that blog. It's part of my management system in case you're curious. I give them tons of class points. I run over and high five them or do knuckles just to praise them and um, celebrate them for taking that risk. What that's doing, what that praise is doing, is it's also showing the other students around them that I am celebrating that risk-taking. I don't need perfection. In fact, kids don't even know if it's perfect or not. In their mind, of course it's perfect. Would they have said it if they didn't think it was perfect? (laughs) They're communicating. If they knew there was a better way, they would have said it that way or they wouldn't have if they were focused on grammar and rules because they would have known, oh gosh, there's a perfect way to say this. I don't want to. So in their mind, they're communicating and that's exactly what they're doing. So I'm praising them for doing so. And I think that this is the first essential step to building a culture of risk-taking. If my more timid and shy and introverted neighbor sitting next to me sees Maestra celebrate and 
be so positive and excited about output, they're far more likely to, in the future, do that than if I, you know, don't even make a big deal and don't even acknowledge what a huge risk it is to speak in your second or third language in front of a whole classroom of peers, friends and not friends. Uh, It's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. So I think the first step is really praise to building that, that culture. Now, I also think it's really powerful and important to give students ways to communicate before they're ready to verbally communicate. And you might say, well, what do you mean by that? And what I mean is silent communicators. I introduce silent communicators the very first day I start speaking Spanish in my classroom. What I mean by a silent communicator is a way for students to show me that one, they're with me, they're understanding the words that I'm saying, and two, they can express or show that they feel the same way as somebody else or they agree with somebody, what somebody is saying with just a quick movement. So I will post a blog on this uh, in the chat, but the idea is, let's say one of my more bold students raises their hand and says, Me le gusta chocolate? Yes, I know that's incorrect. We just talked about it being beautiful and messy. <laughs> if student yells, Oh, me me gusta or le gusta chocolate? Um, I'm like, oh, que fantástico. A mí también. Me gusta también. Mi favorito es Reese's. So I'm immediately talking about myself because we always should talk about ourselves. That's the only way students are going to get that first person, right? Um, so I talk about myself and then I ask them a follow-up question. Do you prefer Reese's or Kit Kat? And the kid is going to say maybe Kit Kat. I then can scan the room after I've given my students these silent communicators. I can scan the room and see any other people that prefer Kit Kat to Reese's because they are, they have three fingers down, pinky and thumb out, and they're doing this motion back and forth close to their heart saying, me too. It's their way of saying a mi también without saying it out loud. They can add the words if they want to later, but they're just gesturing that they like it too. I also simultaneously can see the kids who prefer Reese's to Kit Kat because those kids have a flat palm, fingers closed, up in the air, and they're rotating it back and forth, almost like the queen's wave, right? They're rotating it back and forth saying, oh no, not me, (laughs) I definitely prefer Reese's. Again, it's not requiring any speech. We're not breaking the Spanish um, that I'm speaking. We're not breaking that environment. They're not bursting into English. They're just letting me know with a simple gesture, oh, I prefer Kit Kat, I prefer Reese's. This simultaneously is building community because I'm seeing the kids and I'm able to call it out. Oh, clase diez personas, 10 people prefer Reese's. Wow, conexiones. I learned that from Grant Boulanger. Connections. And I'm intentionally pointing out to kids that there are other people who feel the same way, who have the same likes and same dislikes as them. And it's all through these silent communicators is what I call them. 
Um, again, I'll link the blog so you can see more. There's also like a build on one, an excitement one, and these are all things that my students can use to communicate without speaking to me. This does build that culture of risk-taking though, because the more confident they get in expressing those feelings, the sooner they can start adding in a mi también or a mi no, meaning, yep, me too, or not me. Uh, and it's really empowering. It's allowing them to communicate without having to take that huge of a risk yet. Uh, you ready for a brain break? Let's do it. Let's do a brain break. Okay, so the brain break I want to share with you today is a variation on one I've already shared in my podcast. Uh, Y'all know how much I love Hachi Pachi. Well, yesterday in this workshop, uh, a teacher named Emily Metter, um, she's a elementary Spanish teacher uh, at St. Andrews in Texas. Ooh, I don't know that it's Dallas, um, but in St. Andrews. And um, she, it was so brilliant. We were in the circle. We were playing Hachi Pachi. Um, Familia Loca member Jacob Harris was in the middle. He was the detective trying to find who Hachi Pachi was. And uh, he ended up finding them in about four or five guesses. And then Emily rose her hand and said, have you done the variation where they use their TPR and their gestures? And I was like, oh, no, tell me about it. She has her students for Hachi Pachi, Hachi Pachi, rather than choosing a random motion, chooses a gesture, does the gesture, and the whole class at a level one chants the word that goes with the gesture or with the TPR. I thought this was freaking brilliant. I'm so obsessed. I asked her like, okay, do you encourage the level one so that you can't tell who's starting? Because obviously if a kid is doing DNA, DNA, DNA with the gesture for has, then they switch to quiere, quiere. It's going to be able to be heard, right? Like somebody's going to hear that and know exactly who Ajipaji is. And she said, well, yes, that's one of the reasons they're at a level one. Remember, level one is whispering. She said, but more so it's because I teach elementary and they tend to shout. <laughs> I was like, that's so real. <laughs> so um, basically, the the hachi pachi starts a gesture it could be corre like running in place and everybody chants corre 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 and then if they switch to camina 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 they're walking and then salta 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 they're jumping like i thought it was absolutely brilliant i love this idea and it's one of those brain breaks that's still very much a brain break kids absolutely love it but it's still incorporating some target language in a safe, fun, low affective filter way that's still giving them a break in the rigor. So I wanted to share that and I'm super grateful to Emily for teaching me about it. I hope you and your students love this variation. Okay, so the last piece of this first episode in this series on creating a culture of risk-taking is going to be rejoinders. The very first time I learned about rejoinders was from Grant Boulanger. He's really, I think, the, the first person people think of when it comes to rejoinders. 
He has a ton on his website for sale. I'll link um, his site so you can check him out. But the idea about a, of a rejoinder is it's a way for students to start using the target language in a very low risk, highly fun, highly engaging way. So a rejoinder is anything like um, an expression. Oh, que, que lastima, what a shame. Que emocionante, how exciting. Que asco, how disgusting, right? So different expressions that kids can yell out at any point in the class that it feels appropriate to do so. I always tell my kids, as long as it's in context, I don't care. Like, yell it out. Um, another one like that's really fun that I've seen Grant use is, no me importa. Like, I don't care. No me importa. No me importa. Um, so there's a ton, and, a ton of these that you can use. I'll also link my TPT resource. I have them in English, French, and Spanish uh, that you can use. But they're really fantastic ways to motivate students to just start yelling in the target language. Um, if you're a person who doesn't want to encourage yelling, you can still use these. You just ask them not to yell them out, right? Level two. Uh, there are lots of different ways to introduce rejoinders. You can print out three posters uh, in a day and give them to three students in the class. And whenever it's appropriate to yell that specific one, they hop up with the poster and say that expression, whether it's que asco or que interesante or no me digas. You can also introduce gestures with the um, dichos or with the, sorry, with the rejoinders. Uh, this is something else from Grant Boulanger that Andrea Schweitzer actually introduced to me yesterday. And it's interesting because I do already do gestures with some of my rejoinders, but I've never thought about, hey, I could do literally a rejoinder with, or a gesture with every single rejoinder, which I think is brilliant. On top of that, then I can use them in that hajipachi game I just told you. So we could say, no me digas, no me digas, no me digas, all with a gesture, right? Que lastima, que lastima, all with my snapping gesture. I do like a snapping, oh darn, kind of gesture with that one. So that's really, really cool. But rejoinders really motivate students because they are a way for them to interact and show their understanding what is going on in class, show their comprehending the Spanish that you're speaking or the French that you're speaking in a really non-threatening way because it's just one or two words. They can real quick, you know, say it fast. And <clears throat> it's also highly entertaining for the rest of the class. So it's great input for the rest of the class. Uh, that's what I have for you in this first episode on creating a culture of risk-taking. I hope that uh, you can use some of these ideas and start implementing them immediately. I'd love to hear about it. Please go ahead and tag me and let me know how it's going. And I can't wait to connect with you again next week in part two. Thanks for listening, teacher. And until next time, I'll be teaching La Vida Loca. And I'm sure you will be too. Take care. Hey you, if you're still listening, that means you must be a super fan. Either that or 
you're just listening in your car and it's wrapping up this episode. (laughs) But either way, I want to tell you, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful. Thank you for supporting me and supporting this podcast, Teaching La Vida Loca. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a second to go and leave me a review, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on Google, wherever you are, please go and leave me a review. It helps me be more visible on for Google to share with more educators and hopefully impact more students. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me support you. And I'll talk to you next time. See you.